We're going to take just a moment here to, uh, to do a ministry moment. I, I think all of y'all probably recognize this young lady. Hi. <laughs> Kim Slayer. Um, while you guys were going through, the ladies were going through uh, experiencing God, uh, I, I know there were several of the ladies that uh, found that very refreshing and inspiring. And um, Kim had a, a situation that came up with that and uh, actually uh, went on a journey that, that was not exactly what she was anticipating happening. And uh, I want to give her a few minutes to, to talk about with her, that with you this morning. So, so tell me about that unexpected journey and, and how it all started and where God was leading you. Okay. So probably I should start with Emily. Stand up, <laughs> She's Emily. She's over here. That's Emily, if you guys haven't met her. Um, me and met, um, Emily met on an app for moms so that we could get together and get our kids together um, and have just fellowship with other mom friends. So I met Emily. We became um, good friends. And throughout that, um, actually, in the middle of the beginning-ish of our friendship, I started the Women's Bible Study Experiencing God with Gina. Um, and that's kind of how it started. As I started the Bible study, was going through it. And, um, yeah, I would say those two kind of coincided in similar times. <laughs> so Okay. Well, what kind of things did y'all talk about? Um, so me and Emily talked about a lot of things. We have a lot in common um, as young moms and um, pretty much similar ages. So we talked about a lot of things. And actually during Experiencing God, one of the sections was, um, seeing God working throughout our lives everywhere we are. So it's being able to recognize um, little things that are coming about your day and seeing those as God working in your life. So um, Gina used an example of if someone's asking you questions about Christianity, about God, about Jesus, to take that as a moment and say, this is God working and I need to meet him where he's at right now and see this um, and kind of get with God on that. So... Um, that night, I actually prayed a lot um, that I would see God working in my life. I felt like it was in kind of a dry spot with God where um, I wasn't seeing new things every day. I wasn't on fire like I was in the beginning. I was just kind of going through the motions, doing my daily Bible studies, and doing what I needed to do, so to say, um, to stay on track and praying and everything, but I didn't really see a ton of new things happening um, or feel that excitement. So I prayed that I would see him working and experience him in a new way. Um, so it was on my heart to post on my social media that I wanted to meet other young women that wanted to get together and talk about Jesus because I feel like I don't have a ton of friends my age that are Christians um, and have that in common with me. So I really wanted to reach out and see who would come. Um, so I posted had a couple responses, no one really too serious about meeting up. And then Emily actually responded and said that she was interested to know more and wanted to come. Um, Emily came from a new age direction, so she wasn't a Christian. And it kind of surprised me. <laughs> um, in that moment, I looked at Ryan and I had tears in my eyes and I was like, this is God working. Like I prayed this like three nights ago and now Emily is reaching out to me to meet up and talk about God. And I was on fire in that moment. I was like, I need to do everything I can to walk this with God because this is him working right here. So um, 
just the whole entire way we talked, many questions about Christianity. Um, she knew a little bit here and there, and she had some people in her life that were speaking into her life a little bit here and there, and she was starting to kind of put some pieces together. Um, but anytime, we actually voice message instead of text, because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier with kids. Um, so anytime she would voice message me a question, I would say a quick prayer. God, please speak through me. I don't want anything I say to come from me. I don't want to answer for myself because I don't know the answers. I don't know what Emily needs to hear from you, but I know that you know. You know what you want her to hear. So I just prayed that he would speak through me, and every single time I messaged back, it just flew right out, and I was like, whoa, that was not something I would have said, but... Every single time she would message me back and say, that's exactly what I was looking for. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. And every time it just reaffirmed that God was walking this entire process with us. And it happened very quickly. I think within like a month and a half of us talking, Emily became a Christian and wanted to be baptized. And and for the most part, you were just waiting for her questions and you were just answering her questions. Yes. So I didn't want to be too pushy, even though inside I was like, come on, I want her to be a Christian so bad, because we, we all want our friends and family to, to be in Christ. It's so exciting, yeah. um, and especially having someone my age and similar walks of life, I was so excited for her to experience God the same way that I had and the same way he's changed me, um, and we kind of come from similar backgrounds and questioning our faith, so I knew I had kind of a leg of um, similarity with her to speak on, um, So we felt that kinship, and I just was waiting for her to ask questions and waiting for God's prompting, and it was almost perfect timing every time, and I've never seen something work out like that, but I've also never obeyed like that. So the biggest thing for me was just in complete obedience to God, because I am very, not pushy, but I like... I like to do things my way, and I'm very controlling in that way. So mm-hmm. I decided then then on when she was asking questions that I was going to give it to God, and it was not going to be for me. It was not going to be in my timing. And, boy, God's timing was quick. It was quicker than I could have done it. So, yeah. yeah, it worked out very well. Yeah. And you guys may remember a few weeks ago that uh, Kim baptized Emily here. Mm-hmm. Um, from your perspective, what was that like? Um, sorry. It was magical. Magical. Yeah. Yeah. I felt God in that baptistry. I feel God every time I look at Emily. Every time we talk, it's, I see little miracles every day and the questions she asks. And in my prayer and, um, my obedience, I've seen so many beautiful things that have come about since Emily has gotten baptized. I mean, she's had conversations with friends since then that are having questions and conversations with her in-laws and it has it's a ripple effect and I am so beyond blessed to even be able to see that because so many people don't see this we don't see the final destination to the cross we see these little seeds that we're planting and then we go about our lives but it's so powerful to see at the cross kneeling down at the cross uh talking about your sins and confessing them and asking Jesus into your life. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So, Okay. One last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you learned about baptism, influence, and being on mission? I've learned that I think, like I said, it all comes down to obedience. All comes down to obedience. Yes. I think paying attention to God, where he's leading you, not pushing anything in your own way, because the world wants us to go like this, and um, that's not God's timing. I mean... 
God moves at his own pace, and we're just supposed to trust in whatever he's doing and wherever he's leading us. And I have learned that biggest, is that trust and obedience are the only thing that you need to speak truth into other people's lives. Just pray that he will speak for you. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, um, yeah because only he knows what to say and what, what that person needs to hear. Did you hear some words in there? Trust and obedience? It's just that easy, and it's just that hard, yeah. right? But it's rewarding. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing your heart. Thank you. Thank you. Are we, uh, are we on back there, Houston? There we go. We're, we're going to start into a new series today. Um, thank you so much. Emily, I'm glad you're here. We're starting a series that I've loosely titled Being Mission-Minded. Mission-Minded. Because we all know we have a mission, but do you keep that in mind? Are, are you willing to trust? Are you willing to, in obedience, speak his name? Now, if you think about it, Jesus, by the world's standards, was highly unlikely to be ever successful. He was born poor, and he grew up in a despised town of Nazareth. He had a questionable birth. And in all likeliness, probably lost his father at an early age. He never wrote a book, never held an office, never went to college. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place that he was born. He never did any of the things that usually accompany greatness. Though somewhat popular during his life, all his friends left him at his time of greatest need, and he died a traitor's death. He never constructed a house of worship. Rather, he taught how to worship. He avoided the limelight, preferring to walk among the poor and the hurting and the lost. He became a close friend of sinners and was accused of being a drunken glutton. Was Jesus successful? I think it depends on how you define success. I like this definition. Success is doing what you set out to do and doing it well. In other words, Jesus was a man on a mission. He knew who he was. He knew what he was there to do. And he modeled for us that idea of being mission-minded. Regardless of what the world throws at you, you stay on mission. So what is this idea of being mission-minded? I remember Chris. 
Chris was working at a video rental store some years ago in Ohio while he was attending seminary. And one night, a man came in to return a video. He had long, dark black hair and was covered with tattoos and wore mostly black clothing and he reeked of cigarette smoke. While checking his movie back in, he asked Chris an unusual question. He said, what kind of Zippo do you have? You know, Zippo's those little lighters. Chris told the man that the store didn't carry any cigarette lighters, but he was eager to see his. And so the man reached in his pocket and pulled out his Zippo. And on, engraved on the side of his lighter was an interesting scene. It was a scene of a family. A family of skeletons sitting around a dinner table. And the man said, this is how I see things. We're all dead already. We're just waiting to die. Chris decided to give this man a different view. Chris looked at him and said, that's interesting. But I'm a Christian and I think God has more in life for us. Now, Chris expected the guy was probably going to dart for the door at the mention of God, but the man said, I just got out of prison after 16 years for a Tipton murder. Doing my own thing is all I've ever known, and I let my son do his own thing, and he just dropped out of school. Chris responded, you know, I might have ended up the same way if someone hadn't come alongside of me. And helped me through some very difficult times. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. To help others to find more in this life. And the man said, I never had that in my life. Can you help my son? Could you maybe take him to your church sometime?" And Chris told him he would be glad to give his son a ride to church. One day during the height of Christmas season, the shopping time, Sharon, a young mother of three, was standing at a checkout counter at a toy store when she overheard one of the sales girls, a a college student, telling a co-worker how exhausted she was and that she was hungry and she she needed a break. But all she had was $3.25. It wasn't enough to get the sandwich that she was wanting to, to have for lunch. So Sharon reached over the counter and handed the sales girl a $5 bill and said, Merry Christmas. Dumbfounded, the girl took the money with tears swelling in her eyes And she went around the counter to give Sharon a hug. And then Sharon handed each of the sales girls a Starbucks coupon. They accepted the coupons and although they were a little perplexed, one of the girls asked, well, why are you doing this? And Sharon said, because Jesus loves you. And Christmas is about Jesus giving his life for you. Chris and Sharon can teach us a little bit about what it means to be mission-minded. You see, we can only influence those that we're willing to rub shoulders with. 
Chris, a man on a mission, was willing to take advantage of a Zippo moment where Sharon, a mission-minded woman, was willing to serve God through a sandwich and a cup of coffee. The early church was also mission-minded. You look over in Acts 2 and we read this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Do you know why that was? Because in Jerusalem, that's where the center of activity was. Everything happened around the temple. Everything centered over there. This was a marketplace that was around the temple. So they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And the Lord did what? He added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why? Because they were mission-minded. They were where people were gathering and they were there with the grace of God. Let me tell you about the Savior. They went daily where people needed to hear it. And they helped to change others' focus, others' perspectives. You see, being mission-minded, as mission-minded Christians, we put our focus on others. The early church was a community that was totally devoted to God. In fact, they had a name for it. Do you remember what it was? It was the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. They saw themselves as, as called out into something special, but something that everybody could join into. And like Jesus, they were willing to risk their very lives to reach out in love and to help people who did not yet understand that God loved them. Not just the one who created them, but that he loved them completely. Being on mission can very easily become just another activity among others that we do that that are vying for our attention. You know, over time at church, we get into these meetings and programs and traditions and other things that are really good, and but they cumulatively move us away from being in mission mode to being in maintenance mode, where it becomes more about the programs than persons. Maintenance, where most of our efforts focus on maintaining a status quo that make members feel comfortable. And there could be an awful lot of activity going on, but very little is focused on actually doing the mission that we're all called to. And the only way to avoid it, really, is to return to our roots. Jesus' first priority was his mission, what he was here to do. The early church's first priority was their mission, what they were here to do. Let me ask you a question. What is our first priority? What is our first priority? 
Now, I know every single one of you, in your mind, you said evangelism because you've been in Sunday school and you know the Sunday school answer and you know that's the right word because if it's not that, it's Jesus, right? That's got to be the right answer. Price Pritchett, in the Ethics of Excellence, made this comment. He said, the organization can never be something the people are not. Now, he was writing that in the business sense, but doesn't that also apply to the church? How are you individually on mission? What are you doing on an ongoing basis that shows that you are about the mission? Because you see, it really comes down to this. If evangelism, being on mission, is really to be our first priority of the church, then it has to be the first priority of its individual members. And quite frankly, if that is not your priority, it is not the priority of the church. I say that because I love you. And I say that because there are times when I need to be reminded. When I get called up in making things happen. That our primary responsibility is to be the church that is drawing others to Christ. What does that shape remind you of? What? Coca-Cola. I heard that ripple going through there. That's kind of iconic, isn't it? Yeah, that's the shape of a Coca-Cola bottle. Coca-Cola is the most recognized brand in the world. The number one most recognized brand in the world. According to Pew Research, 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola. 74% of the world has seen a can or a bottle of Coca-Cola. And 51% of the world has actually tasted Coca-Cola. Anybody know when Coca-Cola started? 1892. That means in 130 years, Coca-Cola has blanketed the whole globe. Someone said, if God had given the task of world evangelism to the Coca-Cola company, it would probably be done by now. And all they're doing is being on mission to sell sugar water. Each of us has a mission, so therefore we are all missionaries. And we all have the same mission. That is to tell others about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Dying for the sins of the world. For your sins and for mine, and that he rose from the dead to prove that the hope of heaven is a reality. 
And in fact, some of you are here today because somebody else reached out and invited you to come and see this one called Jesus. All of us who have dedicated our lives to Jesus, we have somebody in our background that helped us to understand who, what Savior and Lord actually means. And if you're one of the people who was on mission, great, wonderful, keep it up. And if you're not, what's holding you back? Because I can tell you right now in our world, in our society where we are hurting for contact with people, it's a wonderful time. People are open to having somebody talk with them about something that really matters. Charles Spurgeon once said, if you want to move a train, you don't need a new engine or 10 engines. What you need is to light a fire and get the steam up in the engine that you now have. It is not a new person or a new plan, but the life of God in them that the church needs. And you see, being mission-minded is not about being anything cutting edge or, or anything new. It's really, it, it's, it's a return to our roots. It's a return to the roots of the Jesus movement. Has it originally moved? And getting back on mission, putting that commission into action that we know is there and that's been given to each and every one of us. We are a candle that has been put on a lampstand. And if those candles cease to burn, they need to be relit by an external force. How about the Spirit of God himself that tells us he will be with us all the time? We need a renewal of mission. I want to stop for just a moment. Would you pull that connection card out that is there in your bulletin? I want you to take a moment, whether you're visiting with us or you're, you're new here or um, you, you're a member, a uh, regular attender, I want you to write your name on there and your email address at least. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor, if you want to go ahead and fill the card out, uh, we've actually got a gift for you out in the lobby on the Oakland Drive Christian Church red table out there. Uh, and, and if you'll just drop your card in the basket that's there on that table and pick up a gift, uh, something that I think will, you, you will enjoy looking at and reading through. We'll take a second and write this down myself. Eric? On the back side, there are some things to do 
for, for this week. Um, if you want to know more about becoming a, a, a believer, you've got questions, um, Emily can answer some of your questions for you because she's been studying them here recently. If you have questions about faith, you have questions about becoming a Christian, about what it is to be baptized, you can mark that over on the right side on the back of the card and uh, myself or somebody else will, will get with you on that. Um, on the left side, there's a couple of just simple things. Uh, there's a couple of verses to memorize. If you want to check that you'll do that, then, then write the verses on your bulletin. Do you know why I do that instead of printing it in the bulletin? Because I want you to commit here, and then I want you to commit by writing it on your bulletin. You know why? Because if you commit twice, you might actually do it. <laughs> yeah, there's method in the madness. Um, read Acts 2, 41 through 47, and get a handle on how that first church was acting. And if you want, there's nothing to stop you from continuing to read in Acts uh, we have a couple of good Sunday school classes that are going on. Ladies have just started a Bible study. It's not too late to jump into that. And if you notice under the sign-up thing, there's, a, there's something there that says game night. It's going to be Saturday the 26th. Now, we're not making a roster, but it wouldn't hurt for the people that are putting that together to have an idea of how many people are planning to come. So, so just, just mark that if you would. And uh, I want you to drop this in the offering bag that we will be passing during the final um, song today. And just uh, let us know about it. And again, first-time visitors, we've got a gift for you. Don't, don't leave without getting it. Over the next few weeks, we're going to explore what it means to be a mission-minded community. Looking specifically at the things that can help us stay focused on the mission of God. Now, we're all familiar with Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission, right? As you are going, make disciples. We're so familiar with it, it's almost a cliche. And we go, yeah, I know about that. And then, and then we forget something about it. It's a go-and-tell mission. How is it then that the church in America came to adopt a here-we-are philosophy and attitude when we have a go-and-tell mission? Now, I don't have time to get into all that today. I'm not going to keep you here for another two hours. Although I could. I got nothing better to do. But we're going to get into this more over the coming weeks. And we're going to kind of flesh it out. We're going to talk a little bit about history, not just ancient history, but near history, history in this country, history of our movement. And I want to give you some, some easy methods for explaining a simple gospel. And I want to challenge you to adopt a mission mindset. And for now, I just really want to get this thought across, okay? I want to get this across. There is a disconnection between a here-we-are attitude and a go-and-tell mission. To be effective at reaching this community, we must examine how we do what we do and why we do 
what we do. And we need to return to our roots. Jesus said, John recorded in John 20, 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. It is his mission, his work we should be about. Father God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us purpose in this life. Not just life beyond the grave, but you walk with us every step now. And we can experience your spirit, your family, the community that is built on Christ here in this world today. I thank you, Father, for committed Christians. And you know this church is full of committed Christians. And we thank you, Father, for a reminder that it's not just about our relationship with you, but it's about how we can get others connected to you as well. And we pray, Father, that you will use us in a mighty, mighty way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.